What happens to your bees this time of year? One thing that they do is uh, when winter comes, they start killing all the drones, which are the male oh, bees. Oh, bad time to be a drone. Yeah, yeah, because so the drones... So do you find their little bodies all over? Yep, yeah, and they kick the little bodies out of the hive, and <gasps> oh so gosh. they're just all scattered out. Oh, do you feed them to the chickens? No, although I suppose <laughs> the chickens could eat them. Wonder if they'd like. Um, I mean, I'm sure they'd like it, but I'm not sure if they would. It be good it for them? Would they get right tummy aches? Yeah, little... and they might develop a taste for bees, and oh. then they would try to eat the live bee. Oh, that would be sad. Yeah, that would be. Welcome to Good-Looking People in Small Clever Rooms that Utilize Every Centimeter of Available Space with Mind-Boggling Efficiency. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with Brianna. Yo. And as always, we're joined by my mom, Norma. Hello. And by our friend, Vinny. Hi there. So, uh, this week's chapter is, is technically two chapters, I think. Mm-hmm. Kind of evenly split between Marat and Steeply on the cliff still and, and the Antitois brothers oh could you remind me what page we started on 470 yep i believe so yeah yes and could i just say oh my goodness Mm -hmm. (laughs) this section Mm -hmm. i felt like we learned a lot or made a bunch of connections Mm -hmm. yeah of reading yeah there's a there's a lot in the section with the antitois brothers that that we can talk about before we get there, though, let's talk briefly about the um, the discussion of the neurology experiment that right. Steeply mentions. Right, because this gave also gave us interesting information about certain things in the book. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, New information. Yeah. So I have a a long and really frustrating research odyssey to share about this whole thing. I'm wondering Ooh. if we want to just talk about it more broadly or in the context of the story first. Yeah, I did a little yeah. research too in this, and I um, I thought found it very frustrating. I didn't find much. Yeah, I was going to go down a rabbit hole, and then I forgot that I was, so then I didn't. <laughs> well. Well, okay. Let me let me tell you my my research process here, uh, and mom, you can chime in with anything that okay. you found out. I want to apologize in advance because this is long and and uh, ultimately kind of pointless. Steeply mentions an experiment by Elder Elders something about right. uh, electrodes in rat brains stimulating the pleasure center of the rat brain. Um, and I, it, this seemed kind of fishy to me. I wasn't convinced that it was a real thing. Um, hmm. so I did a lot of research and I, I chased down a few leads and it was, it was annoying. I couldn't find every, any evidence of there being a thing called a Briggs electrode. No. There is, there was a Thomas there Briggs. Something. There is something. There was something. I found something about a Briggs electrode, but it didn't seem 
exactly. Well, okay. So it's here's here's what same, I found in the same what in what I found research. What I found is that there was a Thomas Briggs, who was a high school chemistry teacher, who co-authored a research paper on the Briggs-Rauscher oscillating chemical reaction, uh, which in the paper is measured with a silver iodide electrode. Um, but it doesn't seem to have anything to do with pacemakers or actual electrode design. M my searches involving Briggs electrodes turned up the following quote on a bunch of web pages of dubious provenance, uh, mostly related to the <laughs> use of CBD to treat depression. So this text, the same steps implant two Briggs electrode strips into the right temporal lobe and install a computer tritium charger under the skin. Um, that's that's the quote. It shows up on a bunch of web pages, but they all seem to have since been removed from the Internet. And the text is just um, uh, is contained within a much larger block of nonsense text which is a technique that's usually used to like boost search engine results and avoid spam filters. And I couldn't track down the original source of that. Mom, do you have any, any further information on uh, specifically Brid Briggs electrodes? Um, I found it so confusing that I don't think that I wrote anything down about it. I thought I found some reference to a Briggs electrode that didn't really have anything to do with uh, neurology or anything. It's really frustrating because pacemakers do use electrodes. They use like catheterized electrodes. Right. But I couldn't mm -hmm. I couldn't find them described as anything other than electrodes. Like I I don't know what a Briggs electrode is or or whether such a thing actually exists. Right. Um so similarly originally I could find no reference to a Canadian clinical trial in the 80s or earlier referencing a neurologist named elder or elders um there wikipedia, was however well now wait a minute I, I i'm okay, getting i'm go gonna ahead. get to it i'm go gonna ahead. get to it okay. wikipedia right. wikipedia has a list of canadian neurologists um oh but there's no one on there with that name or even remotely close to the name of elder or elders there is a retired geriatric psychiatrist named Henry Olders. Olders, who, yes. who Well, well yes. he lives in Quebec and completed his medical degree at McGill in 1981. The tagline for his website is Where Psychiatry Meets Engineering, and his CV lists him as a research assistant on a 1969 project called Assembling and Testing of an Ultra-High Vacuum System for Studying the Effects of Electrical Arcing on Switchgear Electrode Surfaces. Um, hmm. And another 1984 project involving postmortem studies of brain neurotransmitter receptors of patients with schizophrenia. But he wasn't the lead researcher on those projects. He's not a neurologist. And I couldn't find any reference to epilepsy right. anywhere in his CV or on his website. Right. Uh, so then the text mentions a, a pleasure receptors, calling them P-terminals. And I couldn't yes. find any reference to P-terminals in any paper except this one called Can Fish Suffer? Uh, which oh, doesn't ooh. seem to be related to anything, I don't think, except po uh, possibly a neurotransmitter that facilitates learning in goldfish. Yeah. Um, huh. So then I cheated and I looked at an Infinite Jest discussion board where someone provided a link to a Wikipedia page on the reward system. Um, and that page references an American psychologist named James Olds. Who co-authored mm. co a paper with Peter Milner while he was a postdoctoral fellow at McGill in 1954. So McGill is in Quebec. Um, and that paper was titled Positive Reinforcement Produced by Electrical Stimulation of Septal Area and Other Regions of Rat Brain. Uh, and and, mm. and this, so this was indeed a landmark of neuropsychological research at the time. Like the idea that you could use an electrical current 
to to give a brain like a, a small stimulating shock Reward. basically that would that would provide a, a sense of just sort of like pure pleasure i guess is the theory um but there are some um some differences between this paper and the way that it's talked about in the book um so I want to I want to disclaim this by saying that I'm not a scientist and I found this paper kind of difficult to understand. Hmm. But uh, if I'm reading it right, it looks like the researchers found that the pleasure center stimulation that they were doing had about the same effect on rats as a conventional food reward. It wasn't like this huh. ultra powerful thing. Right. Um, and notably, and they seemed pretty surprised by this. So the rats were set up so that when the when the implant was turned on, they could push a lever and it would provide a small electrical stimulation to their pleasure center of their brain. Um, and they were surprised that when they turned that off, when they turned the implant off, the rats uh, stopped pressing the lever almost immediately. So the uh, huh. steeply talks about the the rats and the other animals which i can find no evidence of other animals being experimented on in this way um that they would like desperately push this lever and and anything that looked like the lever in order to try and get more right. of this stimulus um that seems to have definitely not been the case in this study so yeah that's what that's what i found and it was and it was annoying to get there and i feel like i only got there by cheating and i feel bad about it <laughs> well, <laughs> It's okay. And I was annoyed by the the people named older and now by old yes. when yes. he talks about elder. I think that's mm -hmm. a mean, whatever that is. I don't know. Well, and I it's misdated too. He talks about this study being in the, the late 70s and really, in fact, it happened in the early 50s. It happened and it was published in 1954. Oh, wow. The other thing I looked for was they mentioned the uh, is it a mental hospital or mental something? The Brandon, Brandon Psychiatric Center, uh, Manitoba. Yeah, and I looked I'm, that up. I'm glad and found... you looked into that because I I was exhausted with research <laughs> and chose not to think well, about it. Well, this was kind of exhausting too because there was something. There was a mental. Uh, was it a hospital? I don't know. It it too doesn't sound really like the way it's described in here. Except I also found some teasing just vague references to uh, eugenics oh, really? combined with the Brandon Center in Manitoba. Yeah. Well, that's sinister. So that is yeah. very sinister. Uh, like, like forced sterilization, maybe. Oh, is part yeah. Of their, I, I don't know. Mm. I, I think it's Which also significant of, that that Olds in in reality was an American psychiatrist or psychologist in in the story that Steeply tells. He's Canadian and the research project is Canadian. And he's he goes to great pains to say that, like, this is something that Canada invented. Um, and in reality, that's not the case. The, the research was conducted in Canada, but by an American scientist. Hmm. They talk about electrical impulses being used to mitigate epileptic seizures um that that is also a real thing um i had a right. student around 2012 who had a, a brain a, a a a they call them dbs deep brain stimulation implant that was designed to like detect and interrupt seizures in the brain um and he must have been part of an early clinical trial because it wasn't approved for it wasn't an approved treatment until 2018 
Um, and he, he said it did work, but it, it was really, really unpleasant. Hmm. That's exactly what I want to have in my brain. <laughs> just, just a couple right. little sparking electrodes just in there. Every once in a while. Well, I <laughs> mean, like, my like brain could be helpful. In and of itself, seems like it works, but it is deeply unpleasant. <laughs> so right. perhaps adding something else that has those characteristics. Oh, maybe they'd can the, the unpleasantness would cancel itself out. Perhaps. Yeah, there's also so, the there's also the reference to Marat. It talks about he mentioned something that that your CIA mm. uh, that Ottawa could have asked your CIA for persons of expendability, yeah, to be subjects for yeah. the which which kind of clicked for me when I when I read that vague reference to eugenics and the Manitoba right. Institute, kind right? Of Similarly, same. like. Similarly sinister. Yeah. So he's, yeah. he men he specifically mentions MK Ultra, which we've talked about a little as these wide ranging series of CIA experiments involving brain control and other things. We, uh, right. yeah, I, I feel it was so the he, rabbit hole I was going to go down. Yeah. Uh, do you, so do you have stuff to share on that, or is that the the rabbit hole that you were going to and then didn't? That I was going to and then I didn't. Um, yeah. I might be able to scrounge up something, but well, yeah, I, I don't know that we need to talk about it more. We talked about it a little, uh, about the like use of LSD on people who didn't consent mm -hmm. to take it. Um, it is a wild story. I think he also, so he mentions like doing experiments on Negro populations, which yes, I'm pretty sure Southeast is a, Asians. and Southeast yeah. Asians. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that's a reference to the Tuskegee experiment, which yeah, well, I mean, that, that's a, that's a whole story into into itself. Yeah, and it's um, the most famous one, but it's happened. It's not a certainly lot. not the only one. Yeah. But it, so that was just just for context. That was a it ran from 32 to 72. It was a 40 year long study funded by the U.S. Public Health Service to intentionally let syphilis go untreated in black people. Um, even after a suitable treatment was discovered. Uh, the program director convinced local black doctors to deny treatment to test subjects and provided the subjects with ineffective and outdated treatments to quell their suspicions that they weren't getting adequate care. Um, and that that study resulted in the de directly resulted in the deaths of 128 people. Good Lord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it's OK, because Bill Clinton apologized for it in 1997. Oh, OK. Hmm. It seems pretty obvious to me why this uh, is coming up here. Um, that it's sort of in reference to the entertainment and right, like and steeply suggests that that they. I'm assuming he means the Canadians. Yes, mm -hmm. that the mm -hmm. that the entertainment is an optical stimulation somehow that's similar to right. the implant. Right, electrical so, stimulation. Yeah, that it's that's like what that they it's somehow somehow obviates the need for an implant that it can just right. be delivered through your optic nerve right. um, mm -hmm. which again isn't a crazy idea like like photosensitivity is a real thing and you can produce certain neurological effects by showing people different kinds of visual stimuli but yeah it, it also it all sounds pretty outlandish to me yes yeah, um, I have I have a little bit a little bit more about the steeply and Marath conversation, but it it's when we come back to it after okay. stepping away. Right. So right. do people have okay. other things to say yeah. about this now? Just that they're still on the ledge. Uh, 
They're still on For the God ledge. Sakes, it's yeah. been all night. Yeah. So then we we go back to Ennett House, or or more specifically to Don Gately, who's being sent out on an errand. In the mm-hmm. car. Mm-hmm. And he's really annoyed because the re- the errand he's being sent on is to get other food right. for Joel and another new woman at Ennett House. Oh that, yeah, that yeah. Pat Pat M sends mm-hmm. him out to get food because they say they can't eat the hot dogs, right? Right, right. Uh, and he he doesn't think it's a good idea to cave to their desires, right? He want or he wonders about that, uh, mm-hmm. and he wonders about why. Uh, I think it says, let's see. He says that jo- he feels like Joel seems to have like an inordinate immediate weight and pet status with Pat M, which we don't really know why that is. Except she got into Ennett House like with the snap of a finger, so there's some connection somewhere, some strings. Mm-hmm. Uh, attached that really it really she is really getting special treatment yeah mm-hmm. but then he says he's he's given up trying to figure out pat m so he doesn't it's not like he stews about it he just feels like probably you know it's not it's not the way they do things around there right to bow to people's special little quirky desires that they have we get a little detail that Don Gately used to go to the Unexamined Life Club sometimes, but he yeah. doesn't go there anymore. Yeah. Uh, which is just kind of one more, like, crossing of paths between Ennett House people and Enfield people. Right. Mm-hmm. We also get some great car descriptions. Mm. Made me wonder, was David Foster Wallace a real car guy? I kind of, I tried to look that up too, and I couldn't see any evidence of like. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Cool I've never heard of anything like that. Cars. But his descriptions are really fun. Like he describes it as having a, uh, the Adventura as having a, a carnivorous engine. <laughs> I like <that>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's a carnivorous engine. Yeah. I have a question too for you people who know understand no print better than I do. There's a symbol somewhere near the bottom of page 476 and I didn't know what it was. He likes to match a green match a green train at 75k all the way down Commonwealth's integral. I don't know what that is. It looks Ryan, like a C with close? a circumflex. Yeah. But isn't. I um I mean in French it's a way of uh, changing the sound of the C, but I don't think that that's accurate here. It looks more like a scientific symbol. Huh. Yeah, and well, for me, um, especially paired with integral, it kind of looks, I mean, it's not the integral sign um, in calculus, but it looks somewhat like it. I don't know. You know, there are, yeah. a couple, there are a couple weird typos in the book, and I wonder whether there's just not supposed to be anything there? I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it means. It's something, because it's the integral blank, all the way down Commonwealth's integral something. There's yeah, something I took it more cut. as kind of like a um, visualization of kind of the road, oh. that it's just kind of like mm. a curve. Like a curve? Yeah. 
Hmm. It's not important, but it did make me wonder. Mm -hmm. I also enjoyed the description of just driving in Boston. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, there's the one road that is like, uh, just crazy. (laughs) It makes it sound like they say even the police, uh, in their, in their, like their contracts or say that it's their contracts say that they don't have to go there because uh-huh. it's because it's so crazy. I also felt like the whole the whole car thing, there was a big chunk about driving the car. And it's just Don Gately's new addictive behavior, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I don't know. I think I, I don't think that you can say that driving a car recklessly is like equally as bad as breaking into houses and accidentally murdering people and taking a lot of drugs. No, but I, when I, when I had that thought, I looked up just the definition of addiction, just a basic definition. And it says a brain disorder characterized by compulsive engagement in rewarding stimuli, despite adverse consequences. I thought that's Mm -hmm. Don for sure with this driving not only, I mean, we know that it's not a great idea for him to be out driving because he's got this jail sentence hanging over his head. He's already got DUIs. He doesn't need another one. Uh, but then not only does he drive, but he drives like a crazy man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can't <laughs> end well. <laughs> also, the reference to him racing the train brings up the wheelchair assassins in one's mind. Mm, that's true. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Racing the train. Not that he would not that he would cut it that close, but just the image of him. Right. And a vocabulary word. Mm-hmm. Mysticetic M Y S T I C E T O U S. My I I practice saying M- it but now. Mysticetious, yes, mysticetious. Where is that? I must have completely it's missed that. It's describing Don Gately's head. His, his oh. head is mysticetious. Oh. Has anybody mentioned Don Gately's head is square? It's almost <laughs> perfectly square, massive and boxy and mysticetiously blunt. Huh. It's referring to whale, like a whale-like head. Oh! A whale-like oh. Head. I really like, like that image. Isn't that good? Yeah. And let's see, I've got another uh, vocabulary word on page 479, uh, propinquous. That to me, did you look that up? I did, yeah. Um, And while I haven't found propinquous, I found propinquity, which is basically about uh, nearness, Uh, either nearness in place, nearness in relationship, affinity of nature, or nearness in time. I assumed that was another Don Gately malapropism. I thought it was just a made-up word. It's a real thing. Huh. Yeah, the Spanish three-deckers are just nearby. They are close. There's also some comment about Don Gately's solidly Mm pro-American. Describes him as being solidly pro-American, which means he's racist, kind of, right? Yes. Yeah, he he avoids, like... The... Hispanic the neighborhoods and, right, and the derogatory yeah. description of the Brazilian and Portuguese part of the city. And mm-hmm. then we go to the icky part. Yeah. 
Um, before we do, or while we are, um, I found transition between Don Gately and the Antitois to be surprisingly cinematic. Yeah, it is I thought so that funny too. that you said that. Now that you say it. I, I agree. I, I mean, you can almost picture like the because there's the the cup, the car hits a cup that goes spinning off and hits the door. Like, I just imagine that as a camera kind of panning past the moving car and zooming in on the the Antitois entertainment doorway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was important to note, especially for a book that's so famous for being unable to be adapted that you have this remarkably <laughs> adaptable transition right. right there's also right there there's a, a a description that i really like of um the i forget which antitois brother it is with the broom um, um that is lucien lucien uh they describe lucien's uh uh flannel shirt as being canadianly inevitable uh, I, I really, really like that. Before we get into the gruesome bits that I don't really want to get that far into, unless people have very specific things to say, there are some like some connections that we get here, some like context and backstory that helps us right. to understand how things are linked together. Yes. So, like for instance, uh, uh, Duplessis, who was killed by, accidentally killed by Gately was like um, a protector or sort of a patron of the Antitois brothers, even though they were not popular amongst other Quebecois separatist cells. Mm -hmm. Right. He was kind of their handler, right? In yeah. a way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and once he dies, there's not really any way for them to stay where they've been staying. And so they, they had... Was I right in understanding that? It was like his death was the the catalyst that made them move to Boston? Oh, I thought they were already there. Oh, were they already yeah. there? I thought they were there. I got a little lost in some of this section. I, it's, I there's bits of it that are very there, dense. But, but clearly they were no longer under his protection. I mean, that yeah. clearly... Well, at this which, point, at this point, he's been dead for like two years. Right? Yeah. Has it been that long? Yeah, yeah, it's been about two years. That we also learned that they that they're the ones that have been hanging the Quebec flags on the yes. statues in Boston, yeah. which has yeah. come mm -hmm. up previously just in passing. Yeah, as being like kind of pointless. Right, and they had they were they taped bricks to. Uh, Oh, to, yeah, to postage-paid mailers. Gentle sent out postage-paid <laughs> mailers or something, part, some kind of party solicitation thing, like raising money, I guess, yeah. and with return postage paid, and so they taped bricks to them and sent them back. <laughs> That's that really, really funny. funny. But they were jokesters, right? They had they had this glass shop, but it was also a joke shop. Yes. Like yeah. exploding cigars and stuff. Right. Yeah, and like whoopee cushions, cushions. and groucho mm -hmm. glasses, things like that. And a lot of cartridges, like often unlabeled, right. really right. obscure cartridges. Like stuff they mm -hmm. get out of dumpsters. And Yeah, they mentioned that um, uh, Bertrand uh, claimed he picked some up on the street downtown from the site of the flag-draped Shaw statue 
uh, right. from untended commercial displays that stupidly contained detachable cartridges anyone could detach and, and lug home in the rain, which was uh, Joelle seen, like, saw Joelle one of those. Saw. Yes, she did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But then they so so it feels like there's so many red herrings here. I keep thinking like this is this is the entertainment, right? This is the entertainment. But it says they watched those immediately and they were blank. Uh, well, it but yes, but then it says that the entertainment cartridge can only be played at a higher speed. And that they don't have oh, that. The oh, that's right. higher speed. Don't the, have the, that. The so, masters. Mm-hmm. The read yes. yes, can be yes. played at regular speed, but the masters, is that right? The masters can't be played. Yes, yeah. I forgot at about that. Speed. Yeah, they did have the entertainment right there, and they nearly watched. In fact, they did watch it, but since they didn't have the correct technology, uh, right. it was just blank. Yeah, uh, the same two. It, it makes me really curious who this person is that they buy the DMZ from, uh, who also sells them some more of these cartridges that they think are blank. Um, hmm. it's, it's like a, the hippie in the paisley jacket. Yeah, who is he? I kept feeling like we'd maybe met him. Yeah, I wanted him to be one of the crocodiles, but I but I guess he's not. <laughs> I, I I mean I can. I, I sort of assume that it's someone with ties to James O or to Enfield, but I don't know who it would be. Yeah, it doesn't sound. He wears that hat I don't with think... a skull on it, right? Or a skeleton yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. And has like tinted circular, circular lens glasses. Um, flashes like the peace Lyle. sign a lot. Sounds like Lyle. Sounds like Lyle yeah, but, in disguise. but he's got like long gray hair and. I don't know. I kept thinking it was somebody in some kind of a disguise. Like I wondered about CT uh-huh. or oh. or someone like that. But I don't know. I don't know what what reason anyone that we know would have to to get these cartridges out into the world. Yeah. And so related to the entertainment only being in, uh, viewable on a faster drive. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm wondering is. So a faster drive would most likely be more expensive than a slower drive, correct? Probably. I mean, it would certainly have to have switching circuitry to, like, select between different speeds at the very least. So does this mean that the entertainment is specifically meant to target the wealthy? Ooh, that's an interesting idea. There was also a piece about that, uh, what's her name, Who, who started Interlace? that oh yeah they did this they the reason they did this for the so you could you can play the read only cassettes on your interlace equipment right but that you Mm -hmm. couldn't play it was a copyright infringement kind of uh it was a copyright infringement blocking technique that she included for the copy capable masters which made me think that which my question was so if if those are the only if that's the only way the entertainment is watchable then yeah it might be targeting the uh more affluent but are there also read only well copies that's out that, there that brings and us the, back to and the 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 copy capable masters you would assume would be fewer in number Right. Mm-hmm. And th- that brings us back to Steeply and Marat. And Steeply is is asking Marat whether uh, whether he's ever been tempted to watch a copy of the entertainment. And he says that he implies that that the OUS knows that the AFR has a variety of read only copies. 
Mm-hmm. And he said he says that they also have some read-only copies. Right. Are we sure he's not just bluffing? It's entirely possible. Heaven only knows. Those although, guys... although he he drops the name of someone who works with them, who's trying to like analyze it and figure out how they can make it safe to watch, so they can study it. And and uh, Marat seems to know who he's talking about. I also liked another just small point was that on these on these cartridges that uh, Bertrand got that that look. Uh, like they're empty, that they have, that they're labeled in French, mm. with that weird symbol, the like smiley face kind of yeah. right thing, and and then they're labeled in French, and the label says, "We must no longer pursue happiness." In oh French. yes, oh. yeah. I think I looked up the translation for that. I don't mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. so. It's it's interesting because it's it says to which to Lucien and to Trois signified zilch. Right, because he doesn't speak French. Yes, that's he right. He can't speak French, mm-hmm. even though right. he yeah. lived. They lived in Quebec. He 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 couldn't learn it. He was unteachable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which also plays a role in the in the desperately awful ending. Yeah, yeah, right. He, yeah. he can't he, he can't, can't underst- speak to the to the assassins. Right. He yeah, know and what he can't understand asking. them. If he right. could understand them, he would just. He would just say, yeah, here, I can get them for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why do you want them? There's nothing on them. I can get them for you. Mm-hmm. And they might have left him alone. No, they absolutely would no, not. No, they probably wouldn't have. Although, why? Well, because they already killed his brother. Well, it's not they like did. they're going to leave him. That's true. And they don't seem the type to, like, politely ask for something and then leave the leave the people in I peace guess. afterwards. I guess. But it did that whole lack of ability to communicate was was like a a bookend to Gately and Duplessis, who also mm-hmm. couldn't communicate and ended up with the death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where if the guy had been able to say, I have a very bad cold and I'm not going to be able to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> if he had been able to say that, things might yeah. have turned out differently. Mm-hmm. The uh, wheelchair assassins are truly terrifying. If you let's talk about cinematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You can really see it. These these masked, uh, legless people rolling down the street that that to hear the squeak, they say, is a Canadian euphemism for sudden and violent Mm -hmm. (laughs) demapping. Hear the squeak. The whole scene, it's so terrifying because it's that whole scene about they talk about the so the cup hits the door. Lucien looks out. Uh, they talk about the hinge on the door that squeaks yeah. no matter yeah. what he does, and then he closes mm-hmm. the door, but he still hears the door squeaking. And then, and then you look out the window and you see a wheel, a guy in a wheelchair. And then you look out again and you think, oh, he hasn't moved. But then you realize that's just because there's another and another and another and another all rolling yeah. silently but squeakily down the sidewalk. Yeah, creepy. Terrifying. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, and the um, one, the one, the one has the sm- the mask that looks like the sort of smiley face ish logo on the cassette. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. leader, the ringleader, and the others are wearing. Are they wearing Quebec flags as masks or something? 
Yeah, it says something about a fleur de lis. Yeah, it says yeah. it says uh, they're uh, they're masked in synthetic blend heraldic flag irises with flaming transpercent stems at the chin and slits for eyes and round utter holes for mouths. I was having a hard time picturing that. Yeah. Hmm. Let me, me pull too. up the Quebec flag. I mean, it, it, it's like a it's like a blue fleur de lis on a white field. I can I mean it kind of looks like an iris, so I think maybe that's what Whoa. it's referring to. Right. Yes, that. I was confused about so aren't all these groups aren't they all Quebec separatist groups? Yeah, but and there seem to be they, a lot of why different Why are they so violent to each other? I don't if know they're that they're the always same... violent to each other. I think that the Antitois brothers are pretty unpopular amongst separatists, and it sounds and like maybe maybe those that? other Just groups because think they that they think they're dumb, or they think that they're the dumb, and they're think that they give them silly? a bad name, and that yeah, they do stuff that huh. that really isn't effective or helpful. But that seems um, well. So it's I don't know. I mean, I I don't think the AFR would go out of their way to kill the Antitois, but the instant that the Antitois have something that they need, it doesn't seem like them to be polite about it. You know. Yeah, and, what and I probably took it's an it added to be, benefit to just sort of, yeah, yeah. What I took it to be was that, um, that yeah, yeah. The um, AFR would have left the Antitois alone, but since they got the entertainment and they knew that the entertainment would have had some sort of connection to the AFR, then they had died. Yeah, but wouldn't they have known that they wouldn't be able to watch it? And if they did watch it, wouldn't that do a man? Well, because because I mean, the, the leader, to, the leader why would they asks need to them, wipe them out because they, because I, either they, they it sounds to me they, like either they couldn't watch it or they did. And if they it did, sounds to me like the AFR want to control the distribution of this thing, and, um, and the Antitois brothers having multiple copies of it means that they can't control who gets those copies. So and they also seem the... they also seem unsure. The 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 person who's talking to uh, Lucien asks him if he has a five eighty five RPM drive TP oh, right. somewhere. Right. So I think that they don't know for right, sure. So they didn't know. Except if they did view it, theoretically at least, nobody watches it and survives. Right, but then so... then the police come and they find oh. a whole bunch of copies in this Quebec owned oh. shop. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. And if this group is trying to control the distribution, who's putting the commercial, the advertisements out there with with free copies? This seems so puzzling to me because I agree. Like, I don't believe up until that those are the point, entertainment, though. What? Well, we we still don't know, though. Right, but I don't think that necessarily that it is. Yeah, I mean, I. What I'm saying is I don't think we should take for granted that the free copies are the entertainment at all. Yes, I don't think I that agree. that's I agree. A, we don't we don't know for yeah, sure. They could they could true. be or they might not be. Right. Um we, and it's frustrating to not know because I feel like that would answer some questions. But I agree. I like up until this chapter I thought that the AFR was putting up those displays because they're like somebody in a wheelchair holding a cartridge. Right. Right. Um, mm -hmm. That the AFR was putting those up and trying to distribute the entertainment as broadly as possible in America. But then, like, it, it seems like there's some other strategy or some other goal that they have that, that I don't really understand because 
if that were the case, if they were just trying to get as many people to see it as possible, then they, I don't think they would have a problem with the Antitois just selling the cartridges to people. Yeah. And they, clearly, they, they have their own copies already. It's not like they're trying to get a copy and make more copies of it because they right. could already do that. Could it be that there's a schism in the AFR? That there's one group that wants it as widely distributed as possible and is putting up the advertisements and one group that is trying to limit and control. Mm. That's an interesting idea. That yeah, might explain I don't have some any, things. Yeah, it would explain some things. I don't have any other textual evidence of it. Yeah, it's like just, that, it would just be speculation at this point. Yeah, yeah but Marat is at least okay. a double agent. Yeah, right. that's true. Yeah. yeah. So I also be. was wondering about the, so there was clearly a leader in this scary group that showed up at the joke shop, right? Mm-hmm. The one with the different mask. And we haven't really heard about some of the group having a leader, have we? It seemed like they were just all I mean, sort of equal footing. I feel like there's some sort of hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, we definitely know that, um, you know, oh, I can't think of their names now, but we've heard of some people, including Duplessis, um, who are sort of seem like higher ups uh, well, with the AFR, um, either with the AFRs or loosely connected to the AFR. Yeah, Duplessis, I don't think Duplessis is directly connected to the AFR. He's, he's connected to the FLQ. Yeah. Which is... Like kind of, kind of an umbrella for a lot of different separatist groups, I think. Yeah, but I know we have heard of some people, um, even though I can't remember their names right now. I mean, like Marat seems to be a higher up, like not not yeah. the top of the chain, but he seems to right. have some sway in the organization. Mm-hmm. Neither here nor there, but I feel like it's connected to at least the cinematic nature of this scene that we're Mm -hmm. leaving. Um, It reminds me of Fargo, both the TV show and the movie. Yeah. Like the, like the combination of very dark comedy uh, Mm -hmm. with very gruesome detail. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and there's something really just like, I don't even necessarily know if I would call it visual, but just very evocative about the writing of Lucian's perspective at the end of the chapter that it's like talking about him leaving his body and soaring right. north. Mm-hmm. It's kind of beautiful writing. It, it's it's a shame. <laughs> it's a like shame it's not it something that I ever want to revisit again. Right. But, right. But right. Yeah, it's, it's like it's rendered really, um, really beautifully. And yet you have revisited it, Andrew. I know I have. Yeah. If I honestly, okay, let me let me all all my cards <laughs> on the table just... here. If I rem- if I had remembered that there were spots in the book that were this gruesome, I might not have suggested that <laughs> you reread it. <laughs> my question was going to be: when you hit those spots and you remember how bad they are, do you just skip them? No. In your re- no, because I don't remember I don't remember them in enough detail oh. to do that. Yeah. I just wondered because um, sometimes when I'm reading and I get to a spot that it, it's it's clear that it's going to be really gruesome or innocent little animals are going to die, I just skip those. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's that's reasonable. That's a that's a that's an okay <laughs> way to approach. On. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're back on the ledge. Still, it says 
Northwestern <laughs> Tucson, Arizona, USA still. Um, so it seems like even the narration is getting a little tired of Steeply yeah. and Marat yeah. being up here. Yeah. But there's the um, big news flash. The news flash? The big news flash. That the master cassette was stolen during the Duplessis burglary. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, which I was going to ask, did we know that before? We we or... knew that Gately's partner was was fawning over the, the TP system and all the right. like obscure art film cartridges and stuff and was talking uh -huh. about how much money he could get for them. Right. Um Yeah. In fact, I wonder whether that's the person who sold the DMZ to the Antitois brothers and the cartridges. Oh. And the cartridges. Maybe. I can't remember I can't... who he was. Me neither. Is I, I forget his name. I don't think we have a, a much of a description, like a visual description of him. Yeah. This seems like something that would be really helpful to have in my character list that I'm <laughs> yeah. sure I didn't write down. <laughs> I, I, I want to get technical here for a minute uh, because there's a thing that I found kind of annoying. They they talk about how um, the uh, the OUS's functioning theory is that the the entertainment is a type of hologram. Mm. Um, yes. And that yes. that There's just made me that, that just made me really annoyed because a movie can't be a hologram, a a, a a movie screen or a computer screen or any type of conventional display can't show you a hologram any more than a book can like open up and show you a movie on its pages. They're just different things. But that being said, I did a little reading on holography. Um, and basically what I walked cool. away with is that it's really, really incredibly complicated and I don't understand it. Uh, and it's almost the, the it, it just trying to read on, read up on it made my head hurt. Like it, it involves hmm. lasers and quantum mechanics, maybe. But it sounds like something that might be related to the optical research type things that James O was doing. Um, right, because he was right. He, yeah, he was he, he was big on lasers and optics right? and and all that stuff. Uh, one one really fascinating thing that I discovered uh, in my reading about holograms is that if you take a hologram and you break it in half, um, it's not like a photo where you have two halves of the hologram. You have two pieces, two smaller pieces that each have an entire image of the hologram in them. And you can just keep doing that. You can oh. keep breaking it in half and getting more and more smaller and smaller copies of the same image. Wow. Weird. Isn't that strange? That's really strange. Yeah. Um, also in my reading, in my research on holograms, I discovered that one of the first people to make a 3D hologram, this was in 1964 at the University of Michigan, was someone named Emmett Leith. I'm wondering whether oh. that man is any relation to Disney, Leith. Disney. Hmm. Yeah. I've been looking back at to see who, yeah. who Don Gately's associate was in the mm -hmm. burglary, and it's uh, mm -hmm. Trent, Trent Kite. Aha! Is that right? Mm. He is but in my say, character list. That, uh, never once given up. Well, I don't know if that was, I don't know if that was the Duplessis house or another one. He was. They were. But they he, were longtime co-conspirators. Yeah, said he was masked, but this can be presumed to have been one Trent Quovatus Kite, Gately's mm -hmm. old and once gifted friend. Okay, it that's right. It doesn't really describe him. 
although it seems like we heard more about him somewhere. Sorry to interrupt. I was <laughs> just surprised I could find that part of the book. <laughs> so the, the entertainment, they also say that all the anti-Onan groups and the Office of Unspecified Services, everybody has read-only copies of the entertainment. Yeah. So the... Also, I got to say... The masters will... The mas- we don't know how many... Uh, yeah, we, we, we don't know for sure. Out there. I do think, by the way, it's a little bit hand-wavy nonsense to say that there is such a thing as a read-only copy. Um, I, can't, I can't think of any type of media anywhere in the world where read-only is like uncircumventable like pretty much everything right. that exists can be copied in some way um, right but it's kind of a nod to the the read only cds right right but you can copy a cd yeah you know but you can't so, right so you can't like, like not it. not easily necessarily but surely a like a nationwide uh insurgent force that's well funded right. and has a lot of members could could, 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 could it, figure right. out how to do it and certainly, mm-hmm. like the FBI could figure out how to copy it, or or the the Office of Unspecified Services. So I think that's a little bit of a cop out. I thought it was interesting too that they talk about that that everybody's researching uh, safe ways to watch it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Trying to figure out safe ways to watch it. How do you watch it? Or do you have volunteers that are ready that are willing to you know they'll die watching it but right. they're willing to do right. it to find which, out which what's Mar- on it. Se- Marat seems to say that's what they're doing right? Uh, or steeply describes the people willing to die and Marat just says say sa which reads like an acknowledgement to me mm-hmm. right because when they're earlier when they're referencing those uh, Briggs electrode things back in the previous part of the conversation they talked about how there were young canadians were volunteering for fatal addiction to the electrical pleasure they were volunteering right. to be well to be that's that's different though it's deeply suggesting that they're basic they basically right. want to be addicted to this thing because they feel hopeless or or something it's the case of any addiction though isn't it you do it even though you know that it's not good for you but it makes you feel better at least at the mm. beginning. Yeah, but they're they're not they're not feeding an addiction. The the volunteers that are coming in for that experimental treatment aren't feeding no, an addiction that depressed. they already have. They're they just, just they, depressed. It's like they they want to become addicted to this thing. Okay, do you want to hear my rabbit hole, which was just yeah. r- ridiculous, probably? But it's a Ooh. question that keeps popping up to me. Just it's been vaguely nibbling at me. Every time we are with Marat and Steeply on the ledge, is that they're referring to stuff going on down in the valley, down Tucson, right? It's above, yeah. t- they're above yeah. Tucson. And there's mm-hmm. like bonfire, and they reference people like maybe dancing around the bonfire. And I was trying yeah. to figure out what, what's going on with the bonfires. <laughs> Around Tucson. And so then I started looking to see. So it's May Day, right? It's May Day. It's May yeah. 1st. It's May Day. And so then I started poking around and trying to find out if there's some festivals or some something that happens around Tucson from around May Day. 
And I found this really weird thing that I think has no connection, but it's totally <laughs> fascinating. And you should all look into it. Uh, the May Day Mystery. Mm, of Tucson, in Tucson. Uh, it's, it popped up in 1981 and it's still going on now. There are clues. It's kind of like a Da Vinci code, almost kind of mystery thing. Uh, clues are posted in the Arizona Daily Wildcat, which is the student newspaper for the University of Arizona. And people try to solve this mystery. It's been going on for 40 oh, years. Weird. Hmm. It doesn't mention specifically anything about, <laughs> about bonfires or dancing, but I did think it was extremely weird. That's and it wild. is Tucson May Day. So, huh. And I'd like it if you people would research the May Day mystery of tu in Tucson because I'd like to know what you think about it. Yeah. Sorry Very to mysterious. Sorry to <laughs> yeah. I still so I still don't know why people are why there's bonfires down. Yeah. In Tucson and they've kind of been they kind of been pop there's been stuff going on all night, right? Mm -hmm. There there have been references to fires and things. Right. Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought about it being May Day until you mentioned that just now. I mean, I think that's a pretty convincing explanation for, for why some of that stuff is happening. It was another um, one of those chunks that was like big, long narrative chunks that actually hung together. It was so weird. Yeah. Like there were yeah. lots of pages, but yeah, there were a lot of pages, but... But not that many storylines, considering mm -hmm. the usual jumping from this to that mm -hmm. thing. So I wonder if Marat and Steeply will ever get off the ledge. Have we read anything about them anywhere in the book after May 1st? Well, after May 1st, we know that in November is oh. when Helen has her interview. Oh, that's right. Right. So right. she must so have gotten down. Yeah, must have gotten down. Marat, we ha we don't know. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he's still up there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe carrier pigeons bring him food. I wondered whether Marat was the ringleader of the AFR that visited the Antitois brothers. Oh. Yeah. And when did that happen? Is that like the November? Oh, you know, maybe it's not because there's there's no different date given for it from the the May 1st conversation. Oh. So I don't know if that necessarily means that it's also happening at the same time or if it just means that we oh, don't I know what of, time I it's happening. I kind of assume. I mean, I yeah, I kind of assume that it's all the same. That's that's how yeah. I've been reading it, yeah. Are they out there on the ledge talking about stuff like to give each other alibis for this Bad thing that's going down in Boston. Oh, maybe. <laughs> at the same time. Maybe. Because Marat certainly knows about it. Don't you right. think? I mm -hmm. would imagine so, yeah. Hmm. 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 Do you think do you think that David Foster Wallace has done a disservice to people who use wheelchairs? Do you think after you read this book that you'll always take a second glance? At the person that you see coming down the street with a wheelchair? I mean, I, that's not been my experience, but I do wonder Good. about that. Like Good. it's, you know, I, I, I wonder about the way that people in wheelchairs are depicted here. Mm -hmm. Right. 
although they're also depicted as being incredibly capable individuals. True. When they're ransacking so, the store, so, they're like climbing the shelves and rappelling up to the tops of, even though they have no legs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, like I mean, it does make me gymnasts. it makes me feel a little uncomfortable because it seems like that's right. often played for a laugh, kind of. That right. like you think these people are incapable, but look how deadly they are, haha, ha, yeah. kind of thing. Ha, ha. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It is. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable on the one hand. On the one hand, allowing people in wheelchairs to be villains is kind of liberating. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Because they're villains instead of victims. Right. They're not really victims at all because they willingly got their legs cut off. Mm-hmm. So they're not really right. victims. So on the one hand, to be villains or or revolutionaries or something as opposed to victims is perhaps a liberating way to look at people that use wheelchairs. But... Like Perhaps. this scene of the assassins rolling into the store. And so it's just uncomfortable. Like in the one hand, it's kind of not, I mean, it's also, it's not also, stereotype, not, not falling into the stereotype. It's a whole bunch of characters who are defined by this physical attribute, too. Right. <laughs> like we don't, we don't right. meet other characters who are in wheelchairs but aren't members but are of the not, AFR. Like, like who are in wheelchairs but aren't assassins, for right, instance. Right, right. So it's a new stereotype is as it's replacing the old stereotype as of person as victim of some physical misfortune. Right. Instead of that, it's a new stereotype of hear the squeak or whatever. It's quite an uncomfortable book, isn't it? Mm. It is. It's uncomfortable in many different ways. Mm. Yes. And the end, he's making us wait still to find out what's going to happen at uh, the Tennis Academy. Mm-hmm. We still don't know what the fallout is from the Eschaton debacle. And we don't know. We're all waiting breathlessly for the ingestion of the drug. And we don't really know where the drug came from, do we? No, we just know it no. came from this hippie. Right. Who, and it's who a, maybe speaks French with a Swiss accent. <laughs> right. Right. Do we know anyone who is Swiss? Yeah, do in we? In this universe? I don't think so. I mean, the closest no. we've got is Stitt, who's German. German. Huh, could be Stitt. <laughs> <laughs> Stitt in a old wig. Guy, an old guy. He'd wear a hat like that, wouldn't he? I mean, not a, not unless he wanted to not be recognized. I was wondering if it was somebody like Orin. Oh, yeah, yeah. but Maybe. I don't. I don't have any evidence. I just. I do. I don't think. Yeah. We're, I, I feel like we're pretty sure that Orin isn't on the East Coast at this time. Right. There's also the mention. But it could of be somebody the- like that. The mention of the weird hat also brings up the Enfield Interdependence Day celebration when everyone was wearing weird hats. Mm-hmm. It sounds like something that somebody would have been wearing at the festivities. Yeah, it does. But I'm pretty sure we didn't get a reference yeah. to a hat with a skeleton on it. No. Ah, also, we're halfway. Woo! Oh, yeah! <laughs> 
All right. Congratulations, everyone. Yeah, congratulations, (laughs) all. Does anyone have anything to announce or that they would like to plug? Fat Bear Week starts on September 30th. What is it called? Fat Bear Week. Fat Bear? Yes. Fat Bear Week. What is it? Well, so Katmai National Park in Alaska creates a bracket every year and um, people of the public get to vote on which bear they think is fattest. And by the end of the uh, the week competition, they emerge victorious with the fattest bear. Wow. More importantly, it's it's a qualitative contest and not a quantitative contest. Yes. So it's not like <laughs> you're, you're voting for the the bear that weighs the most. You're the voting weight. for the yeah. It's right. it's like aesthetically, it's which one is the fattest? Small, you could be a small bear who's fatter. Yes, correct. But very round. Than, yes. Yeah. Huh. It's okay. very, it's it's really uh, satisfying to look at the pictures of the fat bears. Fat bear week. Oh, I must do that. This this could be the <laughs> highlight of my week potentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would just like to plug uh, having a computer with three monitors. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> uh, I, so I, I've got these two spare monitors that I've accumulated in the past decade or so, and. Uh, Last week, with the aid of a couple different adapters from Amazon, I was able to plug them into my laptop, and it feels, I feel so powerful sitting here with three screens. Wow. Um, You feel like Oz? Like the, I I do, yeah, like the great and powerful Oz. Absolutely. My website is agingrick.com, and I'm on Instagram at Coffee Stop Fix, where I'm posting some of my film photography developed in instant coffee. And I'm on Instagram at CardboardVV, where I post pictures of my painting. I'm still at BriannaKratz.com, and I only have moderately interesting things on it. <laughs> You've got a great website. And I need to update it. Yes. I am just here uh, in Colorado with my cats. Well, that's a good thing to do. If you want to call me, you know, you can call me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You should definitely publicize your home phone number. Well, okay. So here's the deal. If you want want to call Norma, uh, uh, get in touch with us on our our podcast feed at (laughs) anchor.fm. And and we'll we'll figure out we'll we'll give you her her Discord username so you can get in touch with her. I love um, this. <laughs> next week we'll be talking about pages four ninety one to five oh eight. Our music is by David Nichols. You can listen to his podcast, The Land of Random, on Spotify. Thanks for listening, and to all you at home. Malheureusement, ton collègue est décédé. Il faisait une excellente soupe au pois. Non? Ou c'était toi, faisait-elle? I accidentally showed my students uh, an 18-minute-long film without sound the other day, oh. uh, and I, d- I didn't realize it until after the film was over. And one of them was like, "You know, at first I found it the lack of sound really odd and off-putting, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought like I really appreciate seeing this in silence." Mm-hmm. I felt so stupid. <laughs> <laughs>